Reggie's a bitch. Reggie's, oh my God, Reggie just, uh, like he's wearing this ugly wig and it's ratty and he stole it. And Hey folks, and welcome to Brown and Out. Today we are talking with Sean. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing mighty well, honestly. How are you? I, I'm doing well as well. Um, I worked today, uh, just a half day though. Good stuff, uh, good stuff. How did that treat you, honestly? Um, fine. <laughs> um, work is not too stressful for me these days, um, and I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. I, I love working at the Pride Center. Shout out Pride Center of Vermont. Um, love to hear it. <laughs> but we're here to talk about you. So oh. I know that you are from um, the nation's capital, which has been in the news a lot lately. It has been in the news, hasn't it? Uh, yes, uh, unfortunately. But okay. <laughs> I'm curious to know just how uh, growing up in D.C. was for you. Um, that's like a loaded, loaded question. <laughs> um, growing up in D.C., I'd say it was different. It is not similar. It's similar to some people, like if they grew up in New York City or California or something. But it's, it's just very different in the sense that growing up in D.C., I felt like there were all these cool things around me. There were monuments and museums and bars and all these like great things, but like you can't really do a lot if you're not 21. So like a lot of my like hangout time was spent like with my friends. We would go to the monuments. Um, we would hang out in people's basements, like just like chill things. Um, but I think it was cool and different in the sense that like when we would hang out, we would say, oh, let's meet up at the Lincoln Memorial. And like that was like, because that just isn't a normal going on of other people's lives. Um, but also, like, I went from, what was it? I went from pre-K to first grade in, like, a Catholic school that was not me. Kind of place where, like, they put tape, over, like, Band-Aids over kids' earrings when they got their ears pierced. Yeah, my mom was like, you can't be here. Um, and then I went from second grade to sixth grade at a public school, Langdon Elementary. And then from seventh grade to twelfth grade, I went to the field school, which is a private school in Northwest. So northwest dc so is that a different area than you were raised in was it like a departure or so like dc is kind of separated into four quadrants northeast northwest southeast southwest um i grew up primarily in northeast like i know that so my elementary school was in northwest but then my public school was like five minutes away from my grandma my elementary school was like five minutes away from my grandma's house so like we always everything was kind of centralized and I also used to play football and that was literally like down the street from my elementary school so it would be like from school to football to grannies it was all in like a I'd say two mile radius um so then when I when it came to going to field it was so I quit football sadly oh got got a little got a little mental and physical injury that just whatever we let it be but so when I started going to field was, so I quit football my eighth grade year. Um, and that was right before I went to high school. And that was a really hard decision because I knew that my dad loved like the fact that I was playing it. He, he played football in college, all these things. But I, I realized in that moment and then in that time period, like I was just stressed out constantly because it was me waking up at 6 a.m., getting to the, getting to the Metro, like six, six thirty, going to the bus, getting to the bus, going to school, going to school, then leaving school, having to go all the way across town, get my stuff ready, then go back to Northeast. It was, it was just like a constant tug and pull. Um, so I realized that cutting football out of my life was the necessary thing to do. Um, but yeah, I forget what the original 
Were you doing two a days? Is that what they call them? Was it two a day? <laughs> it's a good football practice term, I think, or something. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> two. It was just like so. So my schedule in eighth grade was me waking up at six, going to the metro, getting on the bus at like seven thirty, getting to school, doing the art class in the morning that we had, going through the school day, and school ended at two forty-five. And practice was at six. I'm pretty six to like eight. So I would get so I would leave school two forty five, get home around like three thirty, have a few hours to do homework, then go to practice. And then like I just found myself that as time went on, I would have more and more work after practice. And I just got really, really, really tired. And I was like, I can't keep up with and it, and I feel like in my head at the time, I was very, very, very anxious. So I was like, my family's going to think that I'm quitting on like an aspect of myself or something. But it, it really, it was just, I was tired. Um, I was, I was going across town back to another spot, back to this other spot, doing football, then going home. Like it was just, it was chaos. Um, so yeah. And then um, you started going to field. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? Who <laughs> like how is that experience? Okay, in all honesty, the field school is a great place. I'd say it's a lot of people like to describe it. It's like an expensive daycare because the kids that kind of go there are very like just different in any way, like whether it be mental, physical, like everybody is just kind of their very own person. Um, and and when I initially went there, that was like the first time. I had been like exposed to white people in a large capacity. So I'd I'd say honestly, and people who you would ask like that went to school with me, I was very weird seventh and eighth grade. Like I was loud. I was obnoxious. I was, I was just like my most chaotic self 24 seven. And then after, so eighth grade hit and it went from being 25 people in my grade to 75 um, and going to such a small school, I, like, we didn't realize how much of a change, like, we would, that, like, we didn't realize how much we would feel that, um, because it was kind of like, we went from being, like, a small little family, like, a literal family where we had to deal with each other, it was a small concentrated group, to now, all of a sudden, high school acronyms are being texted in group chats, and there are parties, and Potomac, and it was just, like, this is a lot, um, but I think, as, Field did shape me to be who I was, who I am today. And as much as there is some negative associations I have with that place, I feel was where I was challenged. Um, they they really embraced the fact that I had an opinion and they always wanted to hear it. Um, and whether it was a teacher or a student, I was just, I was that guy. <laughs> like I was that human just figuring it out, running around. Like I was school president my senior year, um, captain of all the track soccer team not the soccer team well jv ha! i was captain of the jv soccer team very proud of that um but no i was just i was kind of the community guy everybody who went to field kind of knew who i was knew of me um and i, I liked it that way it was just field i think the overall population was like 300 something and that spanned from 6th to 12th grade so it was a very tight-knit community um very liberal community um and yeah, I, I, I appreciate Field a lot. To preface Field, it's different in the sense that, A, we called our teachers by their first names. Um, B, where it was built was like, it was, it's on Foxhall Road in DC. So it was placed on, a, like it was a, it stems from a mansion that basically expanded to be a school campus. 
so the way in which it was built was like it's separated by different lettered buildings and like kind of that way but also it was just I think Phil truly showed me how much I loved art and I think that's why I will always it will always hold a special place like I met and even though I don't have like I, I overall I love Phil but there are things like with every institution, with every organization that needs work and needs active work. Um, and I still think they have a lot to learn from and to do and to implement. But field is where I truly, field is where I discovered art in a sense um, and truly discovered how much I love it and how much it, it, it should be always an active part of my life. Um, so um, tell us about uh, your art, your preferred mediums, if there are, or... My art is, it spans. <laughs> um, I'd say my preferred medium would probably be, probably be sketching and screen printing. Um, that's what the medium that I primarily focused on in high school. But honestly, I'm a multimedia artist. I do Photoshop. I do line work. I do random sketch at 2 a.m. that I couldn't like stop thinking about before I went to sleep. So I did it. <laughs> um, but... I, I, yeah, I use every medium. I think art, art, art is everything and nothing at the same time. And that's just the nuance of it. So I think that's, that's why I appreciate it so much. Um, that was deep as hell. Um. It's the truth. Because <laughs> I feel like so many people get taught, like in this day and age with like social media and TikTok, like everybody sees these things and it's like, I have to create a business out of my art and I have to monetize off of it. And I have, like, it's just like, no, like it is okay to have a hobby. <laughs> like it is okay to have something that you just want to keep to yourself. And I feel like that's the kind of battle that I've been in, in that, in that art headspace. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there is a pressure to monetize everything. Mm-hmm. especially in this country like yeah. which stifles art right and that's that's the scary part because like for me i came in okay so hmm how would i preface this i think so i came into uvm I, i'm a senior at uvm um came into uvm as a communications major because my parents were kind of on the on the steps of you will not go into school undecided. Like you kind of need to have it figured out. And I was like, okay, respect, but I don't. So communication was like, I can talk to people. I'm a good people person. Like I know, like, I think I have like a pretty analytical brain in the sense that I don't just see it. See any one thing is one thing. There are like all, there are always layers to something. Um, So I went in with a communications major and my freshman year, I was highly considering transferring um, because you, I just, I don't know. I think it was just, I, I, I came to UVM for the same fact that I kind of went to field in the sense that I wanted a liberal community. I wanted like people who were kind of challenging themselves and thought and not that one perspective kind of community. But, and I, and yeah, I think I just learned a lot over that time. Um, I'm sorry. My brain just like jumps from thing to thing, but I came to UVM. I went to transfer freshman year, freshman fall. Um, and a lot of my friends were like, well, I like did the whole show when you go home and your friends are like, how's college? I was like, I love it. Like, it's amazing. Ah, um, but I wasn't. Um, so then freshman spring, I was hanging out with my ex at the time and I met a friend of his and her name is Taylor, Taylor Magda. I don't know if you know, she's like a good, great energy of Burlington. Um, but I met Taylor Magda and she was like, 
how are you? Like this, just like this, like she just, okay. So I'm sitting in the dorm room. Like it's very dark, ominously lit as any dorm room would be with like Christmas lights and things. And we were just like watching some TV show and she just like busted and it was like, Hey, and was like screaming at everyone and like going everywhere. I was like, this is the energy I like. I was like, this is, this is who I need. Um, and she like walks up to me and she was like, so have you heard of UPB? And I was like, no, she was like, you should definitely apply. And I was like, cool. Uh, I will. <laughs> like, got it. Um, so then I joined UPB and initially I think I was going to do production. Um, but then I like talking to her, she was like, you have to sign up for concerts. Like, I think you would be a great asset to concerts. Blah, blah, blah. So in my interview, um, I was like, Hey, could I switch to concerts? And they're like, yeah, like, of course. And then I got the call back and like every, like UPB honestly is what kept me at UVM. Um, and UPB for those who are uninitiated stands for <laughs> UVM programming board. It is a student run organization, um, that just implements different program. It's run by students for the students. So whether it be a movie showing to a concert to, uh, bringing a famous author in to speak it, UPB primarily is, are the people behind the scenes, getting all of that done, doing the booking, doing the planning, um, and yeah, so what I, the team I found myself on was concerts. And what does that entail, concerts? <laughs> concerts entails planning musically themed events. So, for example, when COVID was not very prevalent in society, we were doing open mics. Um, we had we had a um, women in the music business. Um, what would that, I forget, like a, a chat at the Light Club Lamb Shop before they took all the lights out. Um, we did, we planned Fall Fest and Spring Fest, which is UVM's annual big shows where we bring in a big artist. We did Battle of the Bands, which is when we have different student bands play in the hopes of performing at Spring Fest. Um, and yeah, we just all always did like music themed events. Um, and I think that's why I loved it because music also I am obsessed with. <laughs> like... Do you create or are you more of an observer and an appreciator? I'm more of an observer and appreciator. Um, I, I tried to create because I took a class where we were kind of playing around in GarageBand and things like that, but I didn't do so well. Um, so what does that mean, really? Yeah, so, it, it, that, well, okay, do, not doing well is subjective in every realm of everything. Um, but I realized that I'm the kind of person that would rather sit and like discuss with the artist what their intentions were behind it, behind creating that music, than like sitting here and being like, oh, this sucks. Like, cause you can't, I, I think people are too critical in this day and age when it comes to musicians. And I think that a lot of people fail to realize that producing music in this day and age is one of the most vulnerable things you can do, in my opinion. Um, Especially music that like touches millions. Like SZA, I could not imagine being her at the moment. Like she, whew, I, I, I followed her from the beginning, which is crazy also, but. You, you can't imagine yourself dealing with uh, the fame, the pressure, or? Um, the fame, the, I, like, what do you mean by that? Like, cause I'm not a celebrity. Like, no, but you, well, you said you can't imagine being SZA right now. Because I think for her, because I, okay. So for example, I followed SZA for a long time since I was probably like 
11 or 12 from like her mixtape C's as a run to S to Z, like all of it. Um, and I think just from following her Twitter, I noticed that it, it, there was a point in time where like a lot of black women in the industry were like, I am really sick of the industry. I'm sick of the fans. I'm sick of like, for example, I remember at one point, no name, um, tweeted a, a string of tweets and was like, I'm sick of going to shows. And when I say nigga, it's a crowd full of white people yelling it back at me. And I just, I stand there and I have to keep performing. Um, and she kind of, she was discussing that theme of how much of myself do I have to sell to actually like not only keep myself afloat, but I'm not trying to sell my soul at the end of the day kind of thing. Um, and I think that, I don't know what you mean by the fame question. I think that, I, yeah, I don't like that. We should, I don't know. I, I was only because you said you, you don't know how you could deal with being SZA. And I just meant with like, with, yeah, anxiety around like fame that like she might have and stuff like that or pressures or things like that. I think pressures mainly. I think that for musicians, musicians specifically, there is a a standard when it comes to how engaged people want you to be with them and how much they want to see you on TikTok and Instagram and all these things. And like, I know for a fact that she was working on a sustainable clothing wear line at one point, um, but that hasn't been like discussed publicly yet really. So I, I mean, I think, I mean the pressure to perform kind of, and I think that in society, we just kind of idolize celebrities and expect them to constantly be on. Like, SZA's real name is Solana. She's not on SZA 24-7. And I feel like a lot of people, like her fans, would think that she is SZA 24-7. And it's like, no, like, these are humans. Like, these are people with feelings who experience different emotions and things. I don't know. Like, they're always going through something that we would never know about. Um, I like to do the behind-the-scenes kind of discussing the budget where are they performing who's performing like i like the the nuts and bolts of everything <laughs> like do you see yourself uh having a career in that field um yes hopefully communications right <laughs> well okay okay so <laughs> so i joined upv and this is where like so now we're in sophomore year and like it just ignited my everything passions with music and event planning like i really one day hope to plan my own music festival that's like a a dream that I have um but so I joined UPB in sophomore year is when I was like okay like I, I joined UPB I have this communications major like I'm staying so like this is a new outlook um and then I remember at one point I was discussing with my advisor and she was talking about how my specific major was um adding concentrations and we kind of went over all the different ones she was so there are three I think it was strategic communication journalism and design um and me being me honestly like i i do see myself being a better asset in strategic communication overall but for me personally like my passion is design my passion is art colors why does that poster look the way that it does why are those letters spaced the way that they are how does that color make you feel like i i, I like the details of visual imagery um and audio so but yeah, then she was like, I really think you should do design. And then she was like, have you thought about a minor? And I was like, no. She was like, oh, what are you interested in? I was like, I play in music, like concerts for the school and like different music events. She was like, you should do music, business and tech as your minor. And I was like, that was a lot, but cool. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds cool. So then I picked that up as my minor. And yeah, 
So currently I'm a communications major with a concentration in design and a music business and technology minor, which is, oh, that is, how are you feeling about it? Um, I'm feeling good, honestly. I'm very happy with, I don't know. I think college is, is a very transformative time for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I was able to learn kind of where my passions lie and what things are kind of just like my hobbies. Um, so, yeah. Because, like, for example, like my design major concentration, I personally do not see myself being a graphic designer ever. Um, and not graphic designer, like graphic designer in the sense that I'm clocking in at 8 a.m. and sitting in front of a screen and emailing with clients what they want to change about these different images. And like, I can't do that um, because I feel like with graphic design there, for me personally, I would just get bored. I would get tired of it and I would grow to hate it um, because I remember last summer I was offered a job at higher ground. But when COVID hit, it kind of just like threw everything for a whirl. So my parents were like, if you want to stay in Burlington, you have to find a job up there. And if not, you have to come home and do construction for your dad. And like, not to say construction for my dad is like a bad gig. It's a, he pays well, it's cool hours. Like the dudes that I work with are nice, but I was just like, I can't, like, I like this newfound sense of freedom. Like I can't go home and like readjust to high school life again. So I became a painter, um, which was painter of houses, not like a portrait painter or anything. I'm not that fancy. Um, but no, so I became a painter and like in that job, I just, I don't know. I really grew to appreciate just life itself. And I don't know how much of it I kind of took for granted in the past and how much of it I won't in the future. Um, so you've been painting in Burlington now for a while? No. So that was just like a summer gig. I did that from, so last summer I did that from May to August and I left early in August because I was painting a mural in DC. Yeah. Tell us about that, please. <laughs> um, so I worked with this organization, Bread for the City, and a couple of friends from my high school. Um, because one of them, her dad works there. And she had, I think she, I forget what her position was. But she reached out to us and was like, hey, we're looking for artists. I know you guys like to do art. Um, would you want to paint a mural? We were like, yeah. Um, so it was myself, Mache McElwain, Randy Jones, and Olivia Junkin. Um, and the design is on the side of like Bread for the City, which is a nonprofit in DC that supplies local communities with food, toiletries, anything you need, um, hospital services, anything you really need. Um, and overall, like that project was just amazing. Like I, I didn't, I, I think I was just like last summer, I was just so grateful for everything that was coming my way. Um, because I hadn't seen them since high school, like I hadn't talked to, I had talked to Randy on and off, me and Michelle, like we saw each other on Instagram, Olivia, like there wasn't really much communication, but like when we reconvened, it was just like, it was back to normal. It was old times, like we were just having fun. Um, and yeah, I, it, the, the, uh, the design was done by Michelle McElwain. I forget her Instagram, I'm gonna look it up really quickly. But you can find it in DC on the side of Bread for the City, 7th Street location. Awesome. That sounds like a really good experience. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just this past summer, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I know that you wrote something. So wh where are you at UVM? You're graduating uh, I, soon, right? I, 
I am. I'm graduating in May. I'm a senior, okay. spring semester senior. Woo! <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 wow! Realization. <laughs> um, how does that feel? That's a really good question. I think I am content with it at the moment. I I think. Because for a long time, I had this idea that, like, I have to figure out, like, going to college when I decide my major, like, that's what I'm new for the rest of my life. And, like, after college, I have to apply to these jobs and, like, whatever job I find like that. And it's just, like, that's not how life works. And honestly, TikTok has been a great help because people are amazing humans out there. Um, but at this current moment, I'm just, I'm ready to kind of take a break from academia. I feel like in this country, we're kind of just like shuttled through, like go straight from first, like just straight on through and you just get to college and then you're out and then, oh yeah, you should get masters. Cause like that adds to it. But I think I'm very content right now. I'm comfortable with, I don't know, looking back on UVM, like I said, I was going to transfer freshman year and like for a while there, I was kind of questioning why I didn't. And now I'm kind of reflecting on my time here and I'm so, I don't know, grateful and appreciative um, because kind of how you were saying, like, I don't have the most fond memories of feel. Like I do have fond memories of feel. It's just that sometimes I think it's so easy for the negative to kind of cloud your judgment of things. And for me personally, like I'm not a negative person. I hate, I hate drama. I hate bickering. I hate, he said, she said, I like, what did you say about me? Let's talk it. Let's dead it. Okay, we're going out to the bar. <laughs> like, you, we need to keep it moving. Um, and I feel like just in my time in Burlington, I have run the gauntlet from people at school to people around town. So it, it's just, it was different. But I think it was the kind of different that I needed to really cement myself in knowing who I am and what I stand for, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And you mentioned TikTok. So it sounds like you found a kind of uh, community there or different folks that are like inspiring to you. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Um, I'm not really. Uh, okay. I Okay. So the way <laughs> I'm not really big on TikTok, it kind of stresses me out because after watching the Netflix documentary, I forget what it was called. The was Social kinda, Dilemma? The social dilemma. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, after watching the social dilemma, I was like, this is insane. Like social media is insane. And I was kind of talking to my friend about this because she asked me the other day, she was like, when you're 80, do you see yourself being as active on Instagram and things? And I was like, no, Twitter. Yeah. Like Twitter is always going to be my little like public diary, but Insta like I, it, it's so much, but for, so for on TikTok, I kind of, so the way I use social media overall is that with my Twitter's, I'm like always just checking things, spewing out my opinion on whatever. And I'm really on that the most with apps like Instagram and TikTok. I kind of use it just to see what people are doing. I follow a lot of artists. I follow a lot of different creatives and filmmakers and a whole bunch of different conglomerates of art. Um, and I kind of just use it to save for art inspo, to post on my story for other people to see. I have a lot of friends who are creatives. Um, so that's kind of, I think, because mm, it's weird, because I'm in the generation that kind of grew up with social media, like, so prevalent in our lives from day one. Um, well, not day one, actually. That's the generation below us, which is so scary to think about. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I feel like 
social media, there are positives and there are negatives and more so recently have the negatives been outweighing on it um, and, and its usage. But in regards to TikTok, I just, I use it just to see comedy, to see people having fun being themselves, to see what different creatives are working on and like how they're going about it. Um, but no, I, I had one TikTok that went viral and I, so I recorded it at like 4 a.m. one night when I couldn't sleep because I had dyed my hair like pink and green at the time. Um, and it was like, it, like some audio that was like, your hair looks like fungus. And I posted it at 4 a.m., went to sleep, didn't get on it for like another three days. because I was like, I don't like, uh, whatever. I was on it for a long time that night. And I opened it the night of the Kamala Harris, Mike Pence debate when he like the fly landed on his head. And I was a little buzzed, not gonna lie. And I was sitting there like dying and I just opened TikTok and I just see like 150,000 likes. And I was like, whoa. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I can't do this right now. Like this is too much. And then I look at the video and I was like, oh my God, like that is, that is insane. Like the comments were like teenagers, like literal children commenting like from funny things to disrespectful things. I was just like, this is too much. Like I was like, whoa 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 whoa! so i took a break from it um but i yeah i don't know i think tiktok kind of gives us this idea that everybody can be an influencer and i think i look at tiktok as it's a platform for you to fully be yourself and show like every aspect of you um and i feel like social media just in this day and age it's like how can i get the most followers and the most likes and keep up the attention like it's just it's so much and I, I don't I don't keep up with that that quota at all. Um, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> like, so in our pre-interview interview, mm. spoke of um, feeling that you got what you wanted from Vermont or needed, perhaps. Can mm. you speak to that a bit? Who? So I think. So when I was applying to colleges, A, I did not know what credits were. <laughs> like, I did not know how that system worked. Everybody was like, oh, you, you should get credits. My school didn't offer APs as well. So that was just like, whatever. Um, but applying and applying to colleges, I love my family dearly, but I knew that I needed to get far away. <laughs> um, I knew that I needed to be independent of myself for a little while and be placed. I wanted to go somewhere where I knew I would never be ever again. Um, and I applied to schools in Wisconsin. I applied to schools in Rhode Island. I, like, I just, a lot of random places. Um, and I remember my college counselor at the time, every, like, they just loved UVM. She, I'm pretty sure she used to teach here or something. Or, yeah, no, she used to be a, a, an admissions person here. And she just, like, always promoted UVM. Like, being that I went to a small high school, they were like, we don't want, like, they just promoted private schools, like, small private schools. And it was just like... I think everybody that I graduated with could agree that like maybe that's the break that we need because um, a lot of people in my year I know applied to state schools. So when it came to UVM, um, I remember the day I got in because it was the first application I sent it was the first school that I got into. I was like, I want something completely different from DC, something that is not a city, something that is not everybody knows could know who I am. I want I want to be able to snowboard. I love snowboarding, um, so that that little perk in college would be cool. And like I said before, I was like, I wanted to go somewhere where I probably would never stay or visit outside of like my purview of life. Um, and I think Burlington offered that for sure. Um, 
Can you tell us a bit about the dating scene here? Whoo, buddy, you are, okay, wait, 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 wait. This is a, this gotta be a back and forth now, because the dating scene. I'm able to answer questions, but. Yeah, I would love to. go first. But like, what about the dating scene? Like, what does that entail? Well, (laughs) uh, what what we spoke about in the pre-interview, well, you just sort of, you touched on uh, anonymity. And I'm not sure if like, what Vermont offers you in the realm of, I I think most people would probably say, you know, definitely Mm -hmm. black queer people that it would feel like big fish, little pond. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, There's like a lot, a lot of attention on you and it's not always positive. How do you feel about that? Oh, um, (laughs) I think like how I kind of told you, like I've learned lessons throughout my time here, like dating, dating of like air quotes here is a lesson for sure. Um, because I can't, I came into college knowing that I was bi. Um, and I experimented with that a little bit. And then I knew that I was more so leaning towards masculine presenting people. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to feminine presenting people, but hey, look. And then the past, like, two years, I kind of really explored and discovered my pansexuality and my non-binary gender and kind of just, like, who I am as a person. And when it comes to Burlington, I think everybody, not everybody here, but Burlington itself is very binary, very liberally by, liberally by the book. Um, because, hmm. I just think in regards to the apps that are used, that that is kind of the toxicity that exists here and the way at which apps are used. And that can be, I got banned from Tinder. I got banned from Grindr at one point. There has um, to be a story to both of those. And I, oh my God. I'll, I'll let you finish. But yes, the apps, you cause apps. a culture that is toxic. Is that what you mean? It's a, and I think, I mean, the culture that's seen on Grindr can be seen across the country. It's always going to exist. With, I, I hope it doesn't always exist, but from what I've grown to learn, it's always going to exist within the gay community, specifically with cis men. Um, because I feel like on Grindr specifically, they're like, Grindr is an app that are used by gays to hook up, point blank period. Like that is, that is their selling point. That is what they offer. They know that they're, like that's what they're doing. But I think that the corporation itself really feeds into the fact that a lot of people use it in toxic, toxic ways. Um, because the way the app works is that it shows you who's in proximity to you who also has a profile, but you don't have to put up a picture. You don't have to put up much about you. Like most, so my problem is that most profiles I see here are blank. Um, it's faceless, doesn't have any really, it's just like six, one white average body, like any dude that you would fucking see in Burlington. Um, and I don't know, before coming here, I, I was just, I was comfortable with the fact that I liked men that I enjoyed hooking up with them. Um, and I feel like I, like growing up college was always said like, there'll be the best four years of your life and you're going to do so much experimenting and so many fun things. And I get here and I'm just like, that's it. <laughs> like, is this, this, this is it. Like what I'm, Oh, okay, cool. I was like, Oh, I, I, I can, I can work with it. Mm. You, you, you really got to get it how you live it. And fit, cause I think, at some point or another, every queer person, specifically of color, specifically black, 
um, finds themselves in the space of kind of feeding into the standard. And in the grand scheme of things, the standard in this country is based off of whiteness, is based off of what did white people set as the precedent for everybody to kind of follow. And that's just bullshit to me. Um, because me personally, like my, I could show you my profile, but like my profile has like four pictures of me and my face, like a little picture that I took at the bowl and potholes last summer. Um, it has like my gender, my age, like kind of everything. My Instagram is in there. Cause like, I'm not really like, I'm Sean. Like I don't fake the, so like what Reggie is getting is what everyone is going to get. Um, and I don't fake the oh my god like because it's just, it's like being dishonest at this point in time it's just, it, it hinders on your personal growth in my opinion um but like for example i had someone who messaged me yesterday who blank profile don't know who they are um and they were like i was they were like oh like you don't remember me and i was like i don't know who you look like i don't know i don't know what you look like i don't know who you are I don't know if you could be like, I was like, and they were like, yeah, we hung up before I left. And I was like, what's your name? And they said their name. I was like, do you have any pictures of yourself? Like anything? And he sent them and I was like, oh, you're the weirdo. And, and, and the thing is, is that I feel like when, I, when it came to Grinder before, I was being very cautious. I was being very nice of, I'm just going to take it and I'm going to try to be like, like really comforting of you but i'm gonna sacrifice a lot of myself for that and at this point i'm like like i'm done sacrificing myself so i said oh you're the weirdo that like made it really 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 awkward and just did not want to treat me as a human ah cool he was like oh yeah like sorry about that and i was like are you really though like let's discuss and like we had we had the conversation and i was just like at this point in time i'm graduating in may I'm not going to continuously sit and deal with these relationships and these people that just want to be weird and project their anxieties onto me and make it as if I'm creating this whole narrative when it's just like, I'm a person that I see you as you are. Like if in someone was like, Oh, Reggie said that you're an ugly bitch and all that. I'd be like, Reggie, did you call me an ugly bitch? Yes. Oh, why was that? Do you want to talk about that? No. Okay. Let's go out. <laughs> like it. Cause like, I think that people, okay. So my life motto is kind of everything happens for a reason. And that that's only subjective to the, to the individual, not the group, not, not movements every, to the individual. Everything happens for a reason. And too often do I think in within that reasoning is a lesson and people can either choose to benefit positively or negatively from that lesson. And too often do I think that the general populace choose to benefit negatively off of it than benefit positively because with, I'm, I don't even want to go into detail about the experiences I've had with UVM specifically, but with the friends that I've come to be, like, that I was friends with, um, they, it was just very gaslighting, very not, very toxic relationships. And in those relationships, I found myself at the end of them kind of always reaching out to them saying, let's please talk, let's hang out, like, can we just have a conversation? And all they did was the he said, she said, and got all of our friends involved and got and turned everybody against me. And it was just like, I like in within those relationships, I learned that like I, I can only give so much of myself. Um, and I feel like when I'm friends with people, like you get all of it. It's not a oh Sean, you get the nice Sean and you get the mean Sean and you get the like it, it's a Sean, this is the full package, baby. Do you want to unravel it and open it up? Let's do it. Like let's have some fun. Um and I think that I don't know, when it comes to Burlington specifically, I feel like a, a good amount of 
people here, young people, look at each other and they kind of, they, they look at you and they see, they think, what can I gain from you? What, so you, oh, you're this major, you're involved in this club. What, how can I, how can I benefit off of that? And not, who are you as a human? Where do you come from? Like, what, what is your background? Like, how, how, how has life treated you for, to get to hear that we're meeting each other and you're talking to me about it? Like, tell me more about, I, you know, I feel like, I don't know, just in this day and age, it's, it's not like people are just very non-interpersonal. And I don't, I don't really like that about the culture of society. So if, if I may guess, <laughs> was it engaging with uh, certain people, certain perhaps ignorant people on Tinder and Grinder that got you banned, would you say? Or, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> like, like I said before, the being that the standard is the white standard. Um, the, I don't know, because I remember I got banned from Grinder when I first got home for Thanksgiving break this past year. <laughs> And I forget, they said it was because like one of my photos was like explicitly nude or something. And I remember writing them and I was just like, there are white men on this app that post their profile pictures are their penises. I post a little tease and a black day looks good in it and y'all get mad. I don't like that at all. I was like, y'all like whatever. And then I made another account cause you know how we be out here. Um, but then <laughs> me getting banned from Tinder I, I don't know. I got really bored at one point. I changed my age preferences. I put my Venmo in my bio. And I guess, <laughs> that was just dumb. Like, I should have never done that. I think that's just, like, a, a defining rule on Tinder. And, like, I respect, because honestly, in the grand scheme, like, when I got banned from both of them, I, w- I wasn't mad, really, um, because it's specifically with Tinder, that, that is the app that I've used since, like, t- like I was a teenager, like, since I was, like, 12, low-key. Um, and being banned from that, like, in that moment, I was just, like, honestly, thank you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm genuinely going to take this as a sign and just, like, not use it ever again because, like, I don't need it. <laughs> like, it's clearly not the app for me. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, like I said before, like I, cho- like, I always choose to benefit positively. And sometimes I do fall into that negative aspect of things, but I always run myself out back to be the positive because I think, Life is too just fucking short to be weighing in on negatives and holding grudges and being angry um, and hating people. Like, why would I spend my time hating people when I have a bunch of people who love me, who text me on the daily? I have a family Zoom tonight that we're going to be on for like hours. Like, it's just pointless to sit and dwell in things that don't benefit you. Um, And I feel like too often do people choose to just bicker and go back and forth and do this whole drama that like, because looking at the positive, like the po- I, I like looking up at the positive, it can be harder. Like it seems harder. It seems way more difficult to be vulnerable, to have that honest conversation, to say this is how I feel, this is how you are making me feel, and to like j- like resolve from that. I, it, it's difficult. It can be difficult depending on the person. But if both people are mutually in agreement to do that, you can't really go wrong. Um, like, for example, I, I lost a friend to drama at one point. He was, like, my best friend. Um, we hadn't talked for, like, a year. And, like, within that year, it was, like, mainly the drama with this other girl. But, like, we just stopped talking as much. Um, and it was me reaching out to him saying, like, let's please FaceTime. Like, can we please text? Like, can we please talk? Like, I'm not at school anymore. Can we just, like, please have, like, a refresher conversation? And I, it was, like, recently that he reached out to me. And he was, like, hey... And immediately I was just like, why is this bitch reaching out to me now? 
I'm like, it has been a, it's been a year, literally, I've been trying to talk to him and just give him my perspective. And now he reaches out like, what? And initially, I was like, I don't want to meet up with him. I talked to my therapist. He was like, do you think it's gonna be beneficial? I was like, I don't know, Robert, like, let, let's see. Um, so then I met up with him. And like, honestly, having that conversation, it was nice. And I appreciated the fact that we were able to be honest with each other. But one thing I said to him before, I was just like, our relationship is never going to be the same. And I'm not placing, I mean, at this point, I have to place blame on you for that because you ignored me. Um, and my, like, cause my main thing is communication. I don't, I don't, I, I get anxious and I insinuate, but I don't let it hold like the prevalent thought in my head because I only, I only take what you give me point blank period. Um, so yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to pivot a bit. And get Love it. get into some perhaps seemingly random topics, but uh, these are things about you that I am curious about, and I think others might be as well. I know that you recently secured the bag, um, but not just any bag. Uh, in particular, I'm talking about a Telfar bag. Oh, and you're talking about my baby? I, yes, your child. So for those who still may not know, for whatever reason, can you- I don't know how you don't. Um, well, but, but would you mind taking a moment to just explain the importance of the Telfar bag? Okay, people. I know this is not an ad. They are not paying me to do this, but hey, we're starting somewhere. Telfar, Black-owned business established in 2009. All bags are made from 100% vegan leather. I don't know what that means. It sounds ethical. Um, my, my, they offer an array of sizes and colors ranging from small to large and colors are abundant. They have silver, green, oxblood, navy. Um, I know they're doing a collaboration with UGG right now. Like they are just on the mark. Um, black owned. I will say that again. Telfar is black owned, um, black owned established in 2009. I'm pretty sure. Um, but Yes, vegan mother, all the, all the courtesies of what you need in a modern day bag. And I will say they're a little expensive, but it's, a, it's affordable luxury, people. It is affordable luxury. I will say that. Um, and while albeit the bags may be a little dull in color, that is why you have a canvas to paint over. Um, so, and I know that the company loves to see the different designs that people come up with on them. Um, I look forward to doing my own. But yes, yeah, my little green baby. I know that you are an avid reader, and I want to talk for a second about um, one of your favorite authors and what their work means to you. Let's talk about James Baldwin for just a moment. James Baldwin is essence. James Baldwin is nuance. James Baldwin is is imaginary insinuation with a concrete finish James Baldwin just he is like I said he's essence um I kind of fell in love with James Baldwin during high school one of our readings were wait did he yes he wrote Giovanni's room um and I remember reading that with like the primary well, I was cis at the time, primarily cis, straight, mostly crowd of people in my class. And like, I just fell in love with the way he writes, how when he, when I'm reading his words, I, I, whenever I read, I paint a picture in my head. 
Um, and so easily with him, am I always able to paint that picture and kind of get a feel of where I am in that space and who I would be in that space. And just like a fly on the wall. Um, but J- yeah, James Baldwin will always and forever probably be my, one of my favorite authors um, because he just, and I don't know, I, I always sit and kind of watch a lot of his interviews and things on YouTube. I watched recently his interview with Nikki Giovanni um, and he just, he speaks with, honesty he speaks with vulnerability watching that interview I just felt so elated with the topic I felt I felt that I was in the room with them um because they both speak so eloquently and they communicate themes and realities so beautifully with their words and I think that there were multiple moments in that interview where you could see James Baldwin getting choked up and it was just like, he is a human. No, <laughs> like he has experienced life. And I remember at one point watching another documentary on him where they were saying that, oh, he was viewed as a sellout by some people. And it's just like, black people in this country like are too castrated and thrown into the conversation in regards to anything, whether it be political, societal, like we, we're, we're a talking point. Um, and as much as people want to say he's a sellout, he lived his life. And and looking back on the way he lived his life, I aspire to not live it similarly, but hold his essence with me always. Um, because he wasn't afraid to be honest. He was never afraid to speak the truth. And I don't know. He kind of he, he. I feel like James Baldwin did a great job of towing the line between selling art and selling himself. And he never sold himself. Um, Do you think he got the criticism of being a sellout because he held a queer identity and a black identity and they seemed incongruent? I mean, any intersexual identity in this country is going to be considered a sellout. Any, it, like, and, and that's just, that's sadly reality, but I, I, I don't think... I think anybody's legacy is going to be anybody's legacy, but the way he lived proves to me personally that he was not a sellout, that he was giving whatever he could and he was trying in his best ways possible being that he was also navigating a very religious family being that he was also traveling across the country and living in France. Like that, those aren't experiences that I can really discuss because like I said before, like I love my family. We have a zoom call scheduled tonight that, Last week was the first time like I had gone on because they so we st- they started doing these Zoom calls weekly, um, and last week was the first time I had gone on it in a while. And at one point, my grandmother was like, "You always dip out of the Zoom call early. Like, do you hate me? Like, is there some tension?" And I was like, "No." But then I thought about it, and I was like, "Honestly, I'm really, really, really anxious when I talk to these people for some reason." And throughout the night, we kind of were just talking about politics and everything, and then it went from one hour to two hours. So like, I am now like, we are all having real deep conversations about sexuality and race and gender. And I was telling my whole dad's side of the family, how I'm non-binary and how I'm pan and what that means. And my grandmother was like, so you like everything? And I was like, I like everything. <laughs> like, let, let's just get that straight. Um, but it, I feel like within the black community, there's always just this notion to constantly denounce anything that's different. Um, And I think the more that we kind of lean into differences and the way that like nobody is any one thing, 
Um, nobody is any like intersectionality. I need to know the name of the woman who coined the term. Oh, oh, wow. I feel so uneducated right now, but I know I'm not. Um, Forget about it. But yes, kudos to that woman and intersectionality. <laughs> yes, as you were. Um, but like, for example, uh, I honestly don't care. At one point in time, I was in this class and I, it was a class where we would write group papers. And at one point I had written like two sections of the paper for our final paper. It was like our final paper. And, in one of the words, so my TA at the time had marked me off for three things. Two, two of her comments were not a word and it was on intersectionalities and I forget the other one. And then her last comment was like, bruh, on a spelling mistake. Um, and I didn't care about the unprofessionalism of the bruh. I didn't care about the unprofessionalism of the not a word. I was bothered by the fact, it was, it was just simply like ironically comical that a white woman who was a TA at the university would say that intersectionalities is not a word. Um, it, it, and it just, I like, it was a whole thing and whatever, I let it be. But like, simply even that moment, like, that's what I say, like, I've learned lessons. Like, that is a lesson that I've learned. The way that situation was handled is a lesson that I've learned. Um, because too often do people try to count out the fact that, no, like I said before, nobody is any one thing. Everybody is complex. And not only, like, as much as people can be cis and straight, whatever, like, you have a passion of some sort. You have a hobby. Like, you have a, you, you think about things differently. Like, kind of, kind of the same way that no one, per, not everyone, no one person sees color the same. Like my perception of this red that I see across or my perception of this painting that's this poster that's on my wall of red could be different than how you view it. Um, and I think that too often do we try to just categorize people. And I think that the TikTok generation, honestly, is that generation that's like, let's stop that. <laughs> like, let's not do that anymore. We're just going to let be free, do your thing. And like talking to my family the other night, it was just like, by the end of the conversation, we were all like, it was just so great and wholesome. And we all woke up the next morning and we're like, I slept great. My grandma was like, I had the best sleep of my life. My cousin, it was just like, it was so nice and warm. Um, and for me personally, like I was just, I had a lot of anxiety because I think too, like for a long while in my family, I kind of always painted myself as being the other, as being the cousin that's like the weird one. Because like everybody, like for the majority of my life, like a lot of people in my family were always into sports. Like they were very Washington football team, very baseball. We always went to the games, all this stuff. And kind of like I was saying with football, like I quit. Um, and at field is where I discovered art. And that's kind of where I started to lean into, okay, I'm not like them. Um, and, but at the same time I am because like they're my family and we're blood and we're so similar in so many ways. And like, I don't know. I just, I, I think too often do people in me specifically, do I get into my head about things? And like I said, like, I don't like to let, I only let experiences like real life experiences affect my view on things. And I think that that, that one fully changed my view on everything. Um, I just, I grew, I've grown to appreciate them way more. And my family is truly my backbone. Um, Cause I don't have, I know how I can fight, but I have a whole family that'll do it for me. So I can just sit here and look pretty. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, but no. Lovely. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, something that you were interested in uh, talking about, 
uh, was your alignment, meaning your personality alignment. Like it's a Dungeons and Dragons, um, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So this is how um, you determine well, in the role-playing game, Dungeons and Dragons, that's how you would determine your character's sort of temperament. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's a test that real folks uh, who perhaps are not playing <laughs> can just take Literally. in their everyday life and apply it perhaps to um, their life if, if they'd like to. And it you get a, a series of um, possible answers and they range from lawful good that would be at like one end of the spectrum i believe mm -hmm. to what chaotic evil at the other mm -hmm. end of the spectrum okay yes and and uh i recently took this quiz i think i've taken it before yes um but i recently took it and uh the questions i really appreciate their dungeons and dragonness. there are questions <laughs> um it, would you sell fake gold to a merchant you know things like that and i'm like okay we are firm <laughs> firmly in a different time and place and that's beautiful so mm -hmm. without further ado i would love to know your alignment and i will also share mine in kind um hmm. okay so my alignment would either be i find myself Definitely chaotic. Every time I ask someone, they're always like, you're chaotic. Um, but I'm kind of battling between good and neutral. And I feel like I'm always battling between good and neutral. Because I think the way I work is that a lot of I, I a lot of people, like, I don't know. I feel like as, as much as I give personality a lot, I'm also just always daydreaming and not really like, I'm just thinking about everything and nothing at the same time. So a lot of people kind of read me as being like standoffish or like cold. And I'm just like, no, I'm really just not <laughs> on this planet at the moment. <laughs> um, but I think I, in my head, I always see a positive look on things. And like that kind of just seems back to the communication aspect. Like I think a lot of drama and things would like be, what's the word? I think we could avoid a lot of tension and drama if we just talked. And when we talked, we were honest with each other. Um, because I think for me personally, like I'm also an optimist. And I remember at one point I tweeted, I was like, am I a pessimist? Like maybe, maybe I'm a pessimist. And my friends were like, you are an optimist with the poker face of a pessimist. <laughs> and I was like, ha, ah. like interesting. Um, and I, th I think that's true because in any given situation, I think I'm very good at not giving you emotion. It kind of just giving you like, I'm a human and I'm just going to look at you. Um, and I think that throws people off because they're like, oh, he could be a bitch or, oh, like they're like, they're like fucking with me or something. And it's like, no, <laughs> like I'm just, I'm sitting back kicking, cooling and relaxing all good. Um, but yeah, no. So I'd say, like, I'm definitely an optimist always. And, it like, with the things that I've been through, babes, like, it, it amazes me every day. But I think, hmm, I, I'd say I'm probably more chaotic good than I peg myself out to be. But I find myself being chaotic neutral just to kind of stir the pot. And, like, I'm the kind of person that doesn't stir the pot, but I'll be like, oh, my God, do you see that pot? It's stirring. It's stirring really fast. Like, look at it. And, yeah. <laughs> like, 
So yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hot off the presses, I am chaotic good apparently. So yes, I would have guessed that any fucking day. <laughs> like, now yes. I'd, like, I'd like to know why. I'm curious. Um, you, you definitely also read chaotic good. I get that from you too. Oh, thank you. Um. So, be, so this is like the first time we've ever had like a like we had a pre-interview <laughs> interview, but like this right. is the first time we've ever had like a conversation. Um, and I did my little thing where I stalk a little bit and go on your Instagram and your Facebook, and I was just like, this person is so bubbly and great, and I've like just known well in the community, and like, I like you you give me so it I all I either thought it was true good or chaotic good. Because you give me very pure vibes, but at the same time, I see that little twinkle in your eye that's like, hmm. <laughs> um, but no, you're just you're just a presence. Like you're you're an energy. You're a vibe. I am I blushing? Am I? Are you? Oh my god, I see it a little bit. I like I am. Oh, you're blushing. Um, no, it's the truth. Um, it was a fun test to take. I thought it was. Um, Cool, you know, I don't know. I maybe I'm gonna get a chaotic good tattoo soon. I don't know what that means. Hey, and that it that it means everything and nothing at all. <laughs> like, um, well, I'm I'm glad we talked about that. And then, mm-hmm. so I think, oh, is that an alarm? So, oh my God, no! I just <laughs> <laughs> I just got this like tile thing because I lose my wallet and my keys. Up. So what is a tile? A tile basically is something that you connect to your key. Oh my God, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna, oh, I'm sorry, people. Wow. We're gonna um, edit this out. <laughs> it, yeah, it keeps like beeping at me. So a tile is basically like something you add, I'm gonna put this in my wallet and it's uh, gonna go on my keychain. Okay. And I download a little app and it tells me where it is at all times. Okay, um, nice. It has a little speaker on it, yeah. Cause I'm very, I'm very forgetful, very clumsy, very, oh my God, I left my wallet at the bar. (laughs) I I mean, I would be lying if I said it didn't happen to me, but I would be lying because I don't carry a wallet. So it's more like- for you. It's just like my debit card and my ID, like important stuff. I'll leave at bars all the time. That is, that's smart. (laughs) Like that's smart. Um, So I, I think it, what, do you have more to add? That's, it's a good time now if you'd like to uh, just add anything. Um, I don't know. Check me out on socials at Sean Brewer Jr. Um, there's not, I don't know. I, I feel like this was, ah, <laughs> talking at me. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I think that for a long while, I kind of was anxious and got into this like ball of energy that was like scared to be myself and to be a human and to try new things and I think that's just that it stems from the fact that like I convinced myself of the culture of Burlington at one point and that is not who I am um I'm an individual I don't see anybody I don't group anyone I see all people as individuals and I think the, the more we grow to do that as a society is the better we will like turn out to be um because I don't know, I, I've always valued the individual over the group. What does Black queer culture in Vermont look like to you? Baby, whoa. <laughs> That's a great question. It's funny 
because on Grinder, a person who at one point was using one of my pictures, like a picture that, yeah, it was, okay, so I'm just gonna start there. At one point in time, I was on Grinder and like a like I just I talked to like a good amount of people on there, but not like in a hookup sense, just like a how hey how are you? Um, and at one point in time, like this person that I was hooking up with, actually he was like, hey, I saw this person using your photos, all like I don't know what it's about, and I go to the profile and it was it was like a deep fried edited picture from my Instagram, and I was like, what? I I was, I was just so taken aback and uncomfortable. I was like, I don't like this. And then I messaged them and was like, hey. And they were like, I'm on a different astral plane. Like, talk, like I, and I was just like, I, I was like, okay, this is not my battle to fight. I got to let it go. <laughs> like, I just got to let it be. Um, and I think they actually recently messaged me on Friday. And I was like, oh, hi. I mean, we had a conversation. It wasn't like a substantial conversation, but it was like a, a minor conversation. But back to Black queer culture in, culture in Burlington. I think that I don't want to say everyone knows everyone because that's definitely not the case, which is sad. Um, But just in like cis gay culture specifically, I think everyone knows everyone. Um, And I'm kind of one of those people that I don't like saying because I'm not a like I don't know. I feel like I, I know a good amount of people in the community and I'm not like a celebrity, but like I'm very well known. Um, and I feel like when it comes like, cause there will be random blank profiles that'll message me and be like, Hey Sean. And they'll just like spew all this ignorant shit or like say this random story. And I'm just like, who are you? And then they'll block me. And it's just like, okay, cool. Um, I don't remember at one point last year, somebody accused me of something. And it was like, cause I, I turned them down from hooking up. I was like, I don't know who you are. Like, I don't want to hook up with you. Like, I don't know why you keep like throwing it in there. You're clearly going through something. And they were like, well, I heard you did this thing to this person. I was like, who, what? Whoa. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like above everything that you were saying, whatever, like, what is this? And then they just blocked me. And I remember after that, I was like, I just bawled. I was like, this is not, like, I don't want people, like who, who, A, who is that? B, why are they spewing this? See, like, I don't want people to look at me and think, oh, that's who he is. And, like, if it's his random fucking profile, then everybody on Grindr probably thinks that of me. And that that was my head. Um, and I cried. My friends were like, no, like, don't think about it. Like, they're just trying to ruin your day, which is the truth. Um, but I think I, it, it's just I came to Burlington hoping for, like, open community. Everybody's like, because honestly, when I was a kid, like not a kid, like a teenager. I was like, I'm going to grow up and go to college and hook up with all these people. And then we're going to be friends after and we can go out together. And then they'll, they'll get invited to the wedding and we'll be like buddies and pals. And then I got here and was like, ah, nope. <laughs> like that is not how life works, buddy. Um, and I think that was just like, like, I don't know, just coming into Burlington, I was a very naive person. Cause like I said, like I went to a private school where I was very outspoken I was not afraid to speak my opinion and shoot my shit. Um, but then coming to Burlington, I kind of, in in different ways, more ways than one, I kind of just assimilated to the culture and assimilated in not a positive way because I was just, I was sacrificing pieces of myself to keep other people around me comfortable. And I've learned that like, that's not what I need to do moving forward with anything. Um, because I'm I'm a person that prides myself in like, everybody in this conversation is going to be comfortable. Like, we're not going to be disrespectful. We're not going to be rude. We're not going to be off top, like offhand, like just like, I don't, I don't tolerate it. Cause that's, that's just unnecessary. 
Um, and like, I'm the kind of friend that like, if you send me your SoundCloud link and you're like, I'm trying to become a rapper, I'm gonna be like, that shit's dope. Like, I'm gonna give my honest opinion. Even if it's not like star quality, like why would I sit here and be like, oh, this is fucking terrible. You should not, you should quit. Like people just so easily choose to be negative and it's just like, no. Like even like, I don't know. Ignorance is truly bliss. And I think that that is one thing that I always, always think about. Um, because when I, like, for example, when I first met you, my brain said, okay, this is Reggie. He uses he, him pronouns. He's queer and brown in Burlington. Um, where did he come from? Kind of what, like, what is your story? Um, how did he, like, come into contact with me? Like, it, like my brain just kind of jumps from thing to thing. And it's like, oh, Reggie, okay, so Reggie's brown. Where is he from? Oh, he's from here. Oh, how did he get to Burlington? Oh, he got to Burlington this way. Oh, what is he doing in Burlington? Like, it's just like my brain just snowballs into all these different thoughts and things. Um, it, I forget what the original question was. <gasps> ah. it, it was, um, what does Black queer culture in Vermont look like to you? Oh, okay. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I just ramble, but... You're doing great. um, Black queer culture to me in Burlington, I think with the people that I consider friends, we have a community. But I think being that this is the second whitest state in the country, it's just hard for anything outside of whiteness to fully exist. And it's like greatness here. Um... Because, like, even, for example, I remember freshman year, like, for example, with Black Student Union. Freshman year, I went to Black Student Union, and I went with my roommate, and it was very cool, very nice, calm, cool, collected, whatever. And, like, I got on a committee. I was, like, helping people, whatever. And then I remember, like, sophomore year, I hadn't gone to a single meeting. And I was just like, I just need to go for community. Like, I'm tired of being alone in, like, this white place. And I go, and, like, everyone was quitting. Like, all the higher, and I was just like, I was like, what is, I was like, this person quit, that person quit, that person, oh, hey, I'm also, I was just like, what is, how? I was like, this is not, I was like, this is not how this is supposed to work, um, and like, it wasn't until recently that I talked to some friends who were in those positions, things that like, they were like, it just wasn't it, um, I think, because even like my freshman year coming into UVM, there were still white people going to BSU meetings, and I remember like, my initial response was like, what? I was like, whoa, whoa. like, I, I was like, are you serious? Like, of all things, like, of all things, like, really? Like, okay. Um, but no, I think, I think that Black queer culture here, it, it's strong. And I know it's strong because I can feel it. I've seen different people on apps. I know that there are a lot of Brown and Black people here who are, like, just personalities and individuals. But I think in Burlington specifically, it's kind of hard for us to culminate, especially in the middle of a fucking pandemic, especially when not everybody's out and comfortable with themselves. Um, I think it's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a taboo topic here-ish. And it's not taboo in the sense of like, it doesn't get talked about, but it is taboo in the sense that it doesn't really get discussed. Because I like, I like looking through your podcast, I saw like so many black and brown queer people. I was like, oh my God, like, whoa, like, wow. Okay, cool. Um, but I don't know. I think it, it, it's lacking a little bit, if I'm going to be frankly honest. Um, because like, even talking to my friends sometimes, they'll be like, oh, your type is white boys and you like white boys. And, and I'm just like, 
I don't think y'all fully realize, like, I don't think I really know who I am. Like, I, I, I deal with what is around me. I'm not going to just sit and be alone because, like, oh, I'm going to be celibate. Like, there aren't any people, like, boys of color. Like, baby, another dick will dangle. Like, life goes on. Um, but I think that too often, like, I, it's just, I don't know. I have standards in the grand scheme of things, but, like, I know for a fact that I'm probably not going to find my partner in Vermont. Um, I know for a fact that I, I fell in love for the first time my freshman year. We broke it off sophomore year, but I probably won't fall in love for an, a long period of time. Um, and not because I'm so, like, I think, who, I think, <laughs> I think that love is possible here. I found people, like, I'm graduating with friends and, like, not, not as many as I thought I was when I came here, but I'm honestly comfortable with the amount of people that I'm graduating with now. Because um, I think even, like, from hookups to whatever, I think love I think too often do people think that they have to find this one person that is going to be their partner forever, that they will love and have sex with forever. I, I think, I think that's very honestly Caucasian. I think it's very binary. I think it's very American dream. Um, and I think it's bullshit. And I'm not saying that people who find that for themselves are it. I think love is love and wherever you find it, you get it. But I think that too often do people focus on love in the monogamous sense and I kind of focus, like, because, no, and not people. When I say people a lot of the time, I mean me. <laughs> um, but for a lot, like, before I fell in love for the first time, I, I think falling in love helped me appreciate my friends more is what I'm trying to say. Um, because as much as I was in love with that person I was in love with, it was very clear that the, we were not healthy for each other. It was very clear that we just had to go our separate ways. And I genuinely wish him the best. I hope he's doing well and is taking care of himself. Um, but after that relationship, I realized how much I love my friends and how much love I pour into loving my friends. Because like, like I said before, any, like, I don't know, everybody gets the same Sean for the most part. My family probably sees a, a, a more rowdy, rowdy side of Sean, but like everybody gets rowdy Sean because Sean is rowdy. Um, but when it comes to me, like if we're friends, like I love you. Like, if you call me at 2 a.m. and you need something, I will be there. Like, if you say, oh, my God, like, I just fucking ate shit on this mountain. I need you to come pick me up. I'll drive 30 minutes to pick you up. Like, I am, like, you get the full package of me because, oh, I'm a Cancer Sun, Aries rising, and Aquarius moon for those who want to fucking know. Um, and I don't know. I don't really even know what that means fully. But I know that, like, me just as a person, I'm very caring. I've always been very nurturing. I've always been... We have to talk things out. We have to like really like just discuss it and be vulnerable and honest. Like I'm just, I don't know. I've, I, I've, uh, I think the way I live my life is that I, I aspire to be the person that I wish I had when I was a kid. Um, and that's very cliche, but like, I just feel like people too often fall into living a solitary single story life and to each their own, like do your thing. But I think that, humans are very complex and the more that we start to recognize that and reflect on that the more we can learn not only about ourselves but the people around us um because for me like I learned that I love my friends when I at one point in that relationship stopped talking to them and like was a bitch to them and then after that relationship they were like oh we still love you like I was like this like this is love I was like this is true like you care for me and like talking to my parents like I think like I remember I because that semester after I broke up with him um 
I went home. I didn't do well that semester in school. Um, I lost a lot of weight, which I also talked to my family about recently. And they were like, oh, you were dating someone? Oh, my God. Whoa. Um, but I, I did, was not doing well in school. I lost a lot of weight. I was not taking care of myself. And I remember my parents sat me down and they were like, so what happened? And I was just like, oh, I fell in love. Like, I don't know. Like, I was just, I was just always dealing with him and his stuff. And my mom was like, she, like, that's not an excuse. And I was like, huh? And like, for the first time, that entire time, she was like, like that, like that entire relationship, she was like, that's not an excuse. Like, you can't, like, you are an individual. You can't blame him for you not doing well. Like, why weren't you doing your work? And for the first time in that moment, I had to take responsibility for my actions and actually understand that a relationship works two ways. So as much as I, like, at the time was saying it was toxic and terrible and all this stuff, like I said, relationships work two ways. I was feeding into that toxicity. I was feeding into all that. And albeit it was not the best time, it happened. Um, so am I going to sit and reflect on it happening and be like, oh, I was a terrible human being and it was terrible. No, no. It was bad. It wasn't great. But me being Sean, me being the human that I am, I just look back on it. And I'm like, love is beautiful. Like, cause like I said, he was my first love. Like, cause up until college, I was just like, I'm going to be, like I said, I'm going to be single. I'm going to have my hookups. We're all going to be friends. They're going to come to the wedding, like trips to Cabo, the whole nine. Um, but I think I have, I, I love love and I love love in every sense of the word. And my ultimate dream is to find my partner and go with them from there. But baby, I'm just riding the wave at this point. So when all the people want to, it's any black and brown person. If your friends are like, Oh, you like white boys, tell them that this country is a PWI. Okay. We need to acknowledge that America is a PWI. And in these small little pockets in these little States, that is all that exists. So we settle and settling is not a bad thing sometimes. All right. Period. Um, yeah, I had to say that on the record. I think the people needed to hear that. Um, hey, it is okay to have standards. Do never question your standards ever. Um, cause as much as I say, like, I don't know, I hook up with people, whatever. I still have standards. Like when I think about my partner, I know what I want in a partner. I know that there, like in any relationship, there is compromise always, but I know what I'm willing to compromise for in love and what I'm not, what I stand for and what like, I can be like kids. I, like if if my partner was like I really want to have kids I'd be like okay <laughs> like you like you wouldn't have to beg me you know but I don't know it all depends understood mm-hmm. well I appreciate all of your insight into that thank you for being so candid of course um, that's what I I really look for in a guest but also. If you weren't as candid, I would still appreciate you. Um, <laughs> there's no favorite. There's no favorites. Some people, you know, but I would not call you conservative. I would not call oh, you no. conservative. Oh, um, no. And that's wonderful. I think the individual, again, right? The individual. But the thing is, is that you say that you wouldn't call me conservative and you wouldn't call me that. But I feel like had we met in any different setting where it was like, I'm just like sitting and daydreaming. Like you probably would have been like, "Oh, he—they're a little standoff." Standoffish, right? Yeah, because like, like I said, I daydream, and I'm just like in my own world. And then somebody walks up to me and it's like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Hi." That's your Aquarius moon. And I, yeah, because I'm just like, "Oh, hi," and they're like, "Oh, he did." Like, because people will walk away and be like, "Oh, he didn't want to talk to me." I'm just like, 
I know, I know for a fact <laughs> they're gonna say that, and I don't know. How, like, I'm not gonna because I used to like sit and harp on that. Yeah. Now I'm just like, oh, either you get it or you don't. Like, I really don't have the time to explain to you who I am. Like, that's that Aquarius Moon talking to me. That's what <laughs> like, but I'm I'm kind of kidding. Um, <laughs> but you you are I would say wonderful as you are. Period. Thank you. Um, so are you. Thank you. And I just have one more question. <laughs> and I really, yeah, I'm trying to be mindful of time. When is your family Zoom? Um, it's five thirty-three now. That's a great question. Uh, they have been texting. Him. Oh, the oh. link was sent. It's a oh. seven. It's a seven. It's oh, a seven. Okay. The link was oh, sent. But that's it's a, a seven. good. Yeah. So, are you expected to have already eaten by then, or is this a thing where it's like kind of a a virtual dinner? Um. It's whatever you want it to be, babes. My I'm, family is come as you are. Yeah. I'm being a bit nosy. I'll back no, 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 don't be nosy. <laughs> if you want to join the Zoom, like I would definitely ask them. Like kind of, kind of. You like, do? Okay. Hey, hey. I'm not gonna infringe tonight. That that is a beautiful thought, though, and I um I, I appreciate the, the anytime because I feel like like how I was saying black culture is very anything different is weird i think i internalize that a lot um and as much as i in my head painted a picture of my family that just wasn't it um well you talked about this moment you had with them recently that was sort of coming out right it was sort of a coming out because like i don't know it was just like this converse like we just spanned the range with this conversation because they found out that I had an ex. They found out that he was a white boy. They found out why. Because I remember when I lost weight that Christmas, I went to my grandmother's house and so many people looked at me like, what the fuck? Like so many people looked at me like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like he looks dead. But they didn't say it. They were just like, ah, hi. Like, yo, you look so good. Like, and Latin, like in that conversation, I was like, oh yeah, I was in a really toxic relationship. And they were like, that's why you lost weight. Like we had no idea. And I, it, it's just like, back to that one thing communication that is it like if you are angry at someone if you are angry at something communicate write it down make make your own personal podcast and just speak into the void like do it do something that is healthy instead of just like i don't know i hate festering on bad thoughts and bad things um absolutely like when i'm angry i i I get when i'm angry i get angry at the fact that i'm angry like i hate it um i hate like I love happy tears, not like I hate my life's tears. Like it, it, I hate. Ugh. It, mm. Understood. Understood. Yeah. I, <laughs> I believe that I only have one more question, and it is, when do you feel most brown and out? That's a good question. Every day, and not brown. I'm black. Just to clarify, black with a capital B um sadly by way of america but hey black nonetheless um i hmm every day every moment um because kind of how i said to you like i walk into a situation like if i were to walk into a room full of people and i see you first i'll walk to you and be talking to you but i'm also low-key listening to the conversation around us and who i can go to next and what and like how i can pivot this conversation like i'm always thinking of low-key like the next step um and i feel like for a while in my personal life that I really, hmm, I wouldn't say I ignored my blackness, but I gave into assimilation. 
and that wasn't just that was at field that was in college like I gave into it and I and in that I realized that I was sacrificing a lot of myself specifically my black self um so I don't know every I do know every day every moment but I do you see the skin it's a little it's a little acne prone but it's clear it's getting smooth it's black it's it's a deep brown um but look great as your wallpaper um but no black I just being black it's a blessing it's beautiful it's radiant it's knowing that you will always have a community no matter what um and i think the way being black differs from other ethnic ethnicities in this country is that when i think about like for example how you were saying dc was in the news a lot when i think about that insurrection and the fact that people stormed the capitol um a lot of people were saying like if they if they were black that would not have happened they would have been like which is true yes um but as much as people like cnn and different like as much as it's very left and right i think that people feel to realize that those people storming the capital are people and when i was watching videos of the different people that went in and they were saying oh well i'm not homophobic and i'm not this i'm just tired of being lied to and i'm tired of being disenfranchised and all this stuff and it's like you agree like we agree on on some things like you're not so far right and so far left if if what you're saying is honest if what you're saying is true like because in the grand scheme of things a i was thinking about this a if everyone in this country um registered as an independent what would happen to the republican and democratic parties b the Republican and Democratic parties are not our friends. They work for us. And clearly they have not been working for us recently. C, they truly only exist in government because you have Democrats and you have Republicans. And outside of government, we're just American people. Um, and it, like at the end of the day, you like, because I've never, like, I don't know. I've always been the person that never discriminates if you're a Republican or a Democrat. We can have a conversation as long as you're not like disrespectful, point blank period your views cannot disrespect anyone's existence. Um, but people need to start realizing that it only exists in government. And when we look at the track record of the government, they only work for themselves, if we're, if we're being quite frank. Because um, Nancy Pelosi, as much as like everybody was saying, oh, she wore the same dress to both impeachments. She's still rich as shit. She still has money in the bank. She's still taking vacations and drives. I don't even know what. Like, it doesn't, like, I, oh. Whew. But I think we all have to realize that, like, the government, like, I don't know, I'm big, I'm a big abolitionist of every system in this country, because all of it needs to be reworked. I think that we need to have, like, like, our voting day needs to be a nationally recognized day where everybody gets it off and everybody is paid. I think that we need to have more community housing, which is very easy. And eliminating homelessness, honestly, would save us more money people just love like i think the government just gets off on this culture of looking at people who are addicted to drugs and displaced from their homes as other and different as being weird like dirty and scrungy and it's like they're human um and it, and it doesn't matter if they're addicted to drugs it doesn't matter if they're like butt chucking vodka like they're a human and like they need to be taken care of the same way everybody else does because in this country everything that makes us different has tried to be criminalized if we really think about it from sexuality to race to gender, to socioeconomic status. Like the way freaking CNN commentators talk about the people who stormed the Capitol and they're like, oh, they're, it, like, 
it's disrespectful. It's so it's such a privileged position to take on things because as much as people are saying they're domestic terrorists and yes, like that is what was showcased. I think it was a clear um, preview of how far white supremacy and white privilege has come in this country. They're human. Like, and when I say like, I was watching these interviews with people like saying like, I'm not a homophobe. I'm not all these things that a Trump supporter is associated with. It's just like, so why are you a Trump supporter? And in the grand scheme of things, it's because they have been fucking brainwashed and convinced that you, you're this disenfranchised group of white people. This is the candidate that's going to take care of you. Oh, but this is also the candidate that's going to make a nationally um, televised speech saying that he doesn't condone mob violence and attacks on the Capitol when two hours before it, he was doing a rally like a block away. Like, I think we have to start realizing how much politicians and the government relies on lying to us and us believing those lies and debunking them. Um, Cause I like, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I'm very afraid of what is to come in this country with the recent goings ons. But I think the second that we start to realize that the government is supposed to work for us and they haven't, and we all can agree on that, then we will see change. Then people will actually like, when we all agree that prison here is shitty and terrible and no one should be in those conditions. That is when I will start to see it. But I like, even when I see my friends saying, Oh, she deserves prison. It's just like that, like, that's just like you saying that, maybe so subliminal because you are in a place of privilege but like prison here is terrible like even if you are given a 10-year sentence a 20-year sentence like you you're, you're expected to go into prison and come out a better person when they're disrespecting you when they're spitting in your food when they're playing with your mail like you are not treated as a human there you're not considered a human by the constitution that that's the problem and i hate the fact that we also also always reference this one document that was written by white men to cater to white men. Um, it's bullshit. And being that America is the country that it is, we need to, I think we really need to rewrite the constitution and ratify the fuck out of it so that it represents everyone. Because too long have white men gotten, like seeing freaking senators on the house floor saying, oh, it's fake news. And all, like, they should not be allowed to do that. They're lying to the public and they're given this platform to lie to the public and they get no repercussions. Like that's problematic to me. Um, but yeah, I, I see, here we are. (laughs) Like here we are. Um, yeah, I think there's just, hmm, there's just so much hate in the world. And I think that it just clouds so much of the good and, hmm, there's this one song quote from No Name that I quoted in a paper. I, I Also, yeah, music for me. I love music. If anybody ever actually, like, hears me, go on my Instagram and send me a DM of a song that you like or an album. I would love to see it. Um, but No Name said, I know everyone goes someday. I know my body's fragile. Know it's made from clay. But if I have to go, I pray my soul is still eternal and my mama don't forget about me. That, every time I say it, sing it, gives me chills um because that that's that's my goal i just i I don't want to be a celebrity i don't want to be a person that is constantly in the media and i just want to be a human that lives well and treats people well and when i look back and if i have kids they are not only comfortable financially but comfortable emotionally comfortable physically and i know that i created a better i tried to create a better world than what i came into it with um so yeah, that's me. Easy peasy. Easy peasy, huh? <laughs> like straight like <laughs> Yeah. 
thank you so much. Thank um, you for having me. This was a good conversation. I agree. And I, um, I really appreciate you. And I hope the best for you. Same to you.